Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the complex issue of AI. Um, we have on Jasmine, who was on our, our Relationship and Marriages episode. Uh, she's a chemical engineer, uh, and she does work in this field professionally. So I'm just going to hand over to Jasmine so she can uh, tell you a little bit about herself. Well, hi, my name is Jasmine, and I'm glad to be here as well. I don't know too much about AI, but I'm definitely interested in the topic and try to keep up with it. Thank you. Maybe we can jump straight into the topic. So just to give the listeners a background on what AI really is. So AI, or artificial intelligence, refers to the simulation of human intelligence in machines that are programmed to kind of like think like humans and mimic their actions. The term may also be applied to machines that exhibit traits associated with human mind, such as learning and problem solving. The ideal characteristic of artificial intelligence is its ability to rationalize and take actions that have the best chance of achieving a specific goal. Now, there's many ways of achieving artificial intelligence, which we'll go into it later on, but perhaps I'll give some examples. There's a company called Waymo, uh, owned by Google, and it's an autonomous driving car company. Uh, In October 2020, the company expanded the service to make it public, so it's now available. And it's the only self-driving commercial service that operates with, without any safety backup drivers in the vehicle. So it took the first step. I mean, we also know, obviously, Tesla have been quite instrumental with um, autonomous vehicles. And they have their own self-driving initiatives with their Tesla vehicles that they call the pilot feature. And it has full self-driving capabilities for the future. Although software updates are obviously incoming and improvements are improvements are made over time on the functionality. And to, to actually show that recently in June 2020, a Tesla Model 3 crashed into a motionless overturned semi-truck. And that, the Tesla Model 3 was actually on the autopilot feature. So again, this reignited debates on whether we're ready for AI-assisted driving, you know, like whether it should actually happen. And knowing that, you know, the way AI works is that it needs information to basically make a decision and in general, the more data you have, the better the AI algorithm will perform. Um, knowing that, you know, with more information, AI has a better chance to perform. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we have safe AI vehicles or like, do you just not feel comfortable with AI vehicles at all? Um, I think it's inevitable that we end up with, uh, you know, driverless cars and whatnot. We are heading in that direction. As you said, Tesla's... Um really been pushing for that sort of uh, feature in their cars i think they have like you know um i guess driverless parking at this point in time so they use sensors to try and help the car park itself but um yeah i think we will eventually end up in that sort of situation will i be happy to be in a driverless car that's just the ai functioning um i would be a bit I would be a bit cautious at first you know i'd like to i'd like to see other people do it first before i jump in and end up you know, I mean, uh, flipped over on the motorway. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not too keen on the idea. What about you, Jasmine? Would you jump into a driverless car tomorrow? Um... Tomorrow? Oh, <laughs> I think for tomorrow, yeah, I might feel a bit hesitant um, with, with the technology today and the fact that it's not so widely spread. Um, but I do think it is inevitable and we do definitely see bits of it. And even when we don't realize it, that kind of technology seeps in and it helps you make better decisions. Um, but I do know that, uh, I do believe 
that human error is a, is the biggest factor in in any accidents in um, in a lot of sectors and uh, especially with airplanes which is a different transport uh, with autopilot features in there but not a lot of people are pilots so they don't actually see that up front but in everyday life you still come across those kind of autonomous um, features so I don't think it's it's too far off in the future but until every single car on the road is um, in the system I wouldn't feel completely um, comfortable giving up the reins just yet mm, that's interesting you brought that's up aircraft because yeah that's right like mm -hmm. we we actually already have kind of autopilot modes definitely have autopilot modes and you'll be surprised how little a pilot actually does on an aircraft so do you think it's like more of a awareness thing where you, with for example aircrafts people passengers genuinely think that the pilot has his hand and concentration you know throughout the whole flight um do you think it's more of a kind of like a social media not social media but i keep using that word um kind of like a perception thing that just needs to change with people to feel safer with uh ai vehicles yeah the public perception definitely comes into part of it and um even just kind of thinking about pharmaceuticals when you're trying to design a drug or uh, a drug delivery system you have to really understand the um the compliance from from the patients as well so even if there is a revolutionary drug uh but you'd have to inject it like through your eyeballs or something like that like people aren't going to be comfortable with that even if it is completely safe so the, that kind of psychology does come into play, I think. Yeah, it's quite, um, it's interesting that you brought up like drug drug uh, development and design because it is quite similar in terms of AI cars. So as Jasmine said, uh, you know, most accidents happen because of human errors. So if you have, I don't know, 10 automated vehicles and you have 10, uh, you know, human driven cars, you might end up, you know, having more accidents than usual because the... Uh, the AI driver is driving perfectly and the human is driving imperfectly as humans do. And it might end up with more, um, you know, accidents, if anything. So you will need everyone to be driving driverless cars. Um, and it's a bit like a vaccine as in, you can't just give a vaccine to, uh, you know, three people and then let the remainder of the 20 not have the vaccine. It just wouldn't work. So it, it, it's a bit like that in, in the sense that everyone needs to be driving driverless cars for it to be, I think fully safe. Uh, in so your mind. Those, yeah, in my mind. So mm -hmm. um, again, that goes to the compliance thing as well. So it's like if you know, with a vaccine, for example, if people are you know spreading these conspiracies around about them, people are less likely to use it because the perception of the vaccine is that it might not be safe, even if it's been rigorously tested. So it's the same with AI cars. Even if it's been rigorously tested, you would need everyone to be driving a, a driverless car before I feel comfortable to actually use it because I would feel that it's still prone to accidents. Well, like there's a key difference between automation and AI where like automation doesn't need to be necessarily AI. Something can be automated given a bunch of like pre-programmed steps and it will do it without question. But then AI is more like, let's say you have like a black box and um, you put something in and you you actually don't know what to expect on the other side because you don't know what's going on in the middle, if that makes sense. Like you, you're not quite sure what, what process is really going to take. So uh, this is my understanding with, at least on aircrafts. So automation, although it's done, AI is not on board aircrafts at all. And this is the biggest 
step blocker is how do we determine that it's safe? How do we tell it uh, in testing? If we don't know what's happening in the middle, how can we say that this is safe to fly? Um, I guess the standards are lower for cars, but um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Jasmine. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point that you brought up, the difference between those two. Um, and I guess it comes back to, yeah, trying to think of a good test method to understand if it's uh, safe or if it meets the standards. Uh, and I think a lot of what like the public perception and why people feel so uneasy about um, AI is the fact that we don't know the in-between, that we don't necessarily tell computer what to do um, line by line and but I think that's where the most potential could come from because it's something um, in a way that happens in our brains automatically all the time um, and that's what the computer is trying to emulate I think that's why it's so useful that we mm. don't have all the control and that it can do all of that um, so quickly yeah, that's you know, let me take yeah. it away from the science aspect a little bit. Yeah. Let's say um, you're driving. Okay. So this is a regular car. You're driving the car. You know that uh, you're coming up against something that could be an accident. You know that if you swerve right, you're definitely going to live, but you might kill a family of five. If you, sw if you swerve left, you've got a 60% chance of living, but you're going you're gonna to save uh, at least three people which direction would you swerve right or left i'd swerve um not that i'm thinking about it but i'd actually swerve right i'd sacrifice myself if that makes sense because if i mean i i'd hope this is what i'd hope i do and like the 0.2 seconds where i can think is to swerve away from people no so if you swerve right you're killing a family of five if you sw uh no yeah yeah okay no no let me change it so if you swerve right you're saving a family of five. If you swerve, if you swerve left, you're killing a family of five. Um, yeah, you know which one would you do? On your life. Yeah, but uh, one's I'd a risk on your life. Yeah. Yeah, I'd swerve right. What about you, Jasmine? I know Jasmine's quite self-preservationist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think these kind of I mean, this kind of question always comes up with uh, you know with the topic of AI, and I don't actually think it's that helpful in a way that in the situation you don't know what you're going to do. And the fact that we can't do all of that calculation of, oh, what's the percentage of being able to save how much? Like, we can't do that in the moment. So you think you're making a decision when you're asking this question and you say, oh, of course, I'm going to make this, this decision. But that's, mm -hmm. I think that's a really different situation once you're in it. And a lot of people will be unpredictable on how they react. And that's why... AI will be able to make that kind of decision without having that emotional or, or physical interference, interference into decision-making. That was a long answer of saying, yes, I will swerve so, left and save my life. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm saying it doesn't matter what answer I give now because that's probably not how I'm actually going to react. And all this information mm. I won't be actually, I won't have at the moment of, of that decision-making. Well, I mean, the, the more broad reason why I wanted to ask that question was uh, is that obviously AI is programmed by humans regardless of how it will make decisions in the moment. So would you, for example, while you're programming this AI, put in a sort of um, 
I, I don't know the technical term for it, but like, you know, a, a clause or something. fundamental clause mm-hmm. in there that should there be an accident or a situation where an accident could arise, the AI should in that moment calculate how to save the most lives or how to save the driver's life. I mean, which one do you put precedence on? Because at the end of the day, we're going to program it. So would you say to the AI, okay, if you know that there's an accident, com- potential accident coming up, we want you to do X, Y, Z maneuver to save the driver or to save the potential people in the other car? Or how would you go about doing that? You know what would be interesting? If you gave the person who bought the car the option, so you could set mm-hmm. it on either. So you save tell him, for sh- save me or save others. And so it's the user's responsibility instead of the company's responsibility. But that's, that sounds sick. Like, that sounds, that like sounds a, very uh, sick, Steve. I can't, that just sounds like a legal precedence to get out of any kind of responsibility. I'm asking you, as an individual, <laughs> you are the one who has to program this AI. What do you put as its first and foremost goal? To protect the car, to protect the driver, or to protect you know, as many lives as possible? So do whatever action would save the most lives. I think like the social thing to say is protect as many lives as possible. But in reality, let's be honest, like if the situation ever happened and the media get a sniff that this kind of decision was hard coded, no matter what you pick, it's going to come out badly in the public eye. Like there's, there's no winning. You're basically picking a life over another life. And, you know, you can always find a flaw with that. Um, I actually, I really actually do believe that it should be left to the user. I think the user should decide because like they're all bad decisions they're not none of these decisions are good and so it's going to be a subjective thing like everyone's going to think differently what about you jasmine what would you what would you think would be the correct way of going about doing that i mean yeah i do kind of agree with steve the the fact that either decision it's not a matter of which decision is better but where you put your priorities i guess um and if the user says that they are okay with um sacrificing themselves i think that that could be an option but having to decide that behind the scenes i think would would actually be a huge um like legal problem for sure um and yeah leaving it up to the and that's a hard question to like ask even to the user as well but it's a matter of who's taking that responsibility and without AI, it's always the user anyway. It's always the driver. So I think the same logic. But like, but like you said, though, when we're in that moment as human beings, we don't do like maths, like, you know, Rain Man and say, oh, no, no, as in, so you don't really you, take that responsibility. You just in the moment of reflex without thinking about it, you just do what you do. But if you had the option beforehand to be able to program it, to say, I'm not yeah. driving the car. The car can do the maths and figure out which one is going to lead to X, Y, Z deaths. Would you be more self-preservationist and say, look, no matter what happens, I've paid for this car so you can keep me safe. Save me. Or would you say, you know what, just save as many lives as possible, even if that means that I die? I want an answer, Jasmine. Wait, wait. I want an answer. I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing for an answer. I know. <laughs> Jasmine's playing it politically, but like you, we've seen it with like aircrafts. I mean, there's been cases where uh, I, f- I think it was in Germany, it was in Cyprus, where basically everyone was unconscious on the plane uh, because there was like a, a leak of air and the plane was just going forward and the government had to make a decision on whether they'd shoot down the plane or wait and see what happens, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like 
it, it's something that can really like has happened in the past and it's going to happen in the future and it's something that i guess we do have to start a conversation topic about um but I, again it's difficult like I, I think it'd be difficult to press jasmine on an answer i'm just a bit <laughs> psycho in it i, I can say i mean things, i guess but, no, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Like, I want to say that, oh, save as many lives as possible. But, you know. I don't know. You took a long time getting to that answer, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> mm, mm, no, but that's no, what yeah. I mean. Like, sure, that, that sounds like the most obvious answer. But is that really true to myself and my survival instincts? I don't know. So I can't really choose i want to say yeah my, my brain obviously tells me to save as many lives but um you know my i'm telling you right now my brain my something. instincts all of it says aaron save yourself so i would just <laughs> I, knew it. I knew it this guy is a big narcissist like he's the biggest <laughs> no, narcissist i've ever met in my life no i would i would 100 just save myself i mean you get given the option i love life in it so i'm i'm choosing to save myself all right maybe i can like take this a bit onto another side so just to give you some okay. information, but there's a general consensus about uh, among many experts that a number of professions will be totally automated in the next five to 10 years. A group of senior level tech executives who comprise of the Forbes Technology Council named 13 include the insurance uh, underwriting industry, warehouse manufacturing jobs, customer service, obviously research and data entry, which makes sense, long haul trucking, and uh, the list just keeps going on and on. Uh, finally, they came to the conclusion that, conclusion that any task that can be learned will be automated. I mean, uh, guys, if you've been to McDonald's or KFC recently, you've seen a change with the machines and how like it's starting to go towards that direction. Uh, recently, I saw a pizza company that has a, a kind of automated pizza delivery service where you just go to the machine, you press the button, and it'll make the pizza in the machine and uh, basically fresh. So... The question really is, knowing that a lot of these linear tasks can be automated and taken over, do you think we should like limit the use of AI in order to save people's jobs and livelihoods? Or do you think we shouldn't control it and should let it go on? I mean, that's a question more about, you know, do you prefer to have the little inconveniences of, uh, you know, human error and whatnot? be a part of your life or do you just want it to be automated and streamlined and you know delivered to you straight to your door no problems i mean it's more about convenience for most people it's like you know most people will agree that yeah amazon's taking away from little businesses blah blah but they will still have amazon prime because it's just convenient to order something and have it the very next day um so i guess it's kind of it's kind of like that in that you know if i can go to mcdonald's just press one button get my order and not have to interact with anyone would i choose that over trying to yell over a speaker to someone who doesn't quite hear what I'm saying. I have to repeat my order 15 times and then they eventually get me what I want. You know, you got to look at it as simplistic as that. I think although, yeah, logically, again, you would expect people to say, yeah, let's cap AI because, you know, we don't want to lose jobs. When it comes right down to it, the convenience of AI will override people's kind of logical thinking of let's save jobs. But what, like, to what point though? Because let's say, okay, it becomes more convenient. And then one day your job is gone and then you end up in a situation where a lot of people are unemployed in the future, let's say, in the like, long distance future. Uh, like, do you think that w the government at least has a responsibility to control this somehow? Or I don't know. What, I don't know what your opinion is on this topic, Jasmine. So um, I guess talking about governments regulating 
I think the focus shouldn't be limiting AI because that, that is the future and it's coming and it is more profitable for companies. So they're going to find a way to do it one way or another. Um, I think what the government should really focus on is what those people who used to do those McDonald jobs are going to do now. So they need to invest more on education and, and social services so that they could actually um, go on and, and, and have a better, not a, not a high intelligence job per se, but, but find something else, um, essentially that's not manual labor because a lot of these jobs are quite low skill and they're, they're repetitive and they're, um, you know, you don't need much education for that. But I think those people, if they were given the chance um, and, and the resources to be able to further develop, I think everyone has the potential to do something more than just take orders behind the computer. But like, not, I mean, the arguments I've seen online is that, you know, people will just retrain to be coders and we'll just have like more developers and, but not everyone is a, you know, an aerospace engineer. Not everyone can be a coder. So it's not something you can just learn no. on, a, on a course For online. Sure. What sure. do we do with but, people that um, don't have the capability, let's say, in that sense? Well, I'm also saying that at some point, I think there should be, I'm talking like far, far into the future or in a, in a fairy tale land, people might say, but I think there should be a time where people don't necessarily have to work to live in a way. Oh, um, that's right. Th my those people. Like that. Mm -mm. Yeah, there Keep is. We work, yeah. <laughs> we work essentially to have a, to have a house, to have food, to have money, to buy all those things, to sustain ourselves. But I think what the government should really look into is how do we do that without having people to actually work for money? You know, they could work for their own development, for their own pleasure. Um, I would still love to do engineering work because that's what I enjoy doing. Even if I don't have to earn it so that I could, you know, have a meal tomorrow. Um, I, I think that's what the government should really focus on rather than trying to stop something that that's inevitably coming. Yeah, I, I feel, think AI I feel that so is much. incredibly like inevitable in, in the sense that we cannot stop this tide mm -hmm. that is coming. As with any kind of scientific development, you can, you can slow yeah. it down, but it will eventually happen. And so, you know, you've seen models of uh, universal basic income and stuff being trialed out in, uh, you know, some Scandinavian countries and whatnot. Uh, where, like you said, you should have a, a bare minimum given to the population to be able to sustain themselves and to be able to have housing and be able to eat. But, you know, on top of that, you can also go and work should you choose. It shouldn't be a case of if there is no jobs, then you will simply perish because, you know, if we're saying that AI is inevitable and therefore many fields are going to be completely wiped out, that means that there's going to be literally no, not enough jobs to sustain the population. And so you can't just say to the ones who just don't have a job, okay, well, I guess you're just going to perish because, you know, you need a job to be able to live. First of all, we need to solve that. How can we ensure that people have the bare necessities needed to live before we can talk about, okay, we've got AI now and we're going to wipe out jobs and uh, so on and so forth. Because as you said, not everyone can become a coder. So even the argument of, oh, people should learn coding um, and you know, re re, you know, redevelop their skills and whatnot isn't necessarily something that's going to work. 
So in, in the core of it, it's we need to move away from the dependency of jobs before we can do anything else. Exactly. It's, it's the day you'll be waiting for, Aaron. It's the end of capitalism. I'm, I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting. Please. <laughs> no, but honestly, like at that point, like you're just, you've perfected like consumption, uh, manufacturing and consumption. So is there even a point of assigning value to it anymore? It makes no sense. Like you need to assign value to things differently. Like I think the universal income is very clever because it then allows people to do like more creative things. Because let's be honest, most people only work to literally uphold their lives, you know, to live. But if you get rid of that, they'll be willing to take risks and do things that are more creative. And we need to reward that in a sense as well. So I, I think the, the whole system needs to change uh, once AI comes in. It's just, we can't keep operating this way with like, you know, uh, uh, increased production, more money, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it'll work that way no more. And if you think about some of the jobs that are out there uh, that we we perceive as like an upper class job that oh that's something you can only do if you were born into a rich family such as um, like fine fine art artists mm. or or musicians or um, even an academic professor those things require a lot of resources um, to learn or to have the space to be able to to develop that skill and, and creativity. But I think, yeah, if, if we could open that up to everyone, you know, I think a lot of people would want to choose um, a way to express themselves, whether that's through art or engineering or whatever. Um, and even just thinking about myself, um, I would love to study more. But to be honest, at the moment, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to do up to PhD or, or beyond because uh, of financial reasons. So if the government could be able to open that up by eliminating those um, low-skilled jobs with AI, I think, I think that's even better. And I agree with that completely. Uh, as you said, some of the greatest fine artists and uh, musicians have actually been from the working class as well. So it's like, you, you know, you wonder how much more of that talent is being unnurtured because of financial limitations. And if, for example, AI was to come in, you don't want that gap to grow even more. You want to be able to do something in order to ensure those people have access to these different routes that you were just talking about. So I completely mm -hmm. agree with, uh, with what you're saying. But like, just to take it on a tangent, like why are we assuming that AI won't also take over creative industries? That's why true. Um, they have been creating music or, or art that a lot of people can't differentiate between a human artwork and things like that. Um, but I think it's, it's in a way, I mean, I don't know if this is just my engineering bias, but in a way that's not totally essential in a way um, that those things, there can be an abundance of art and there won't be um, like a limitation on something else in a way. So if they can create more and, and humans can create too, um, and it's not up to, um, and they're not creating to earn a living in a way. Like it's only a problem if an artist, being an artist is your sole uh, way of living, right? If your life depends on it, of course it matters if there's a computer um, developing all that stuff. But if it's just something extra, like a job or any kind of work that we do, productive work for humans should be additional 
in their lives rather than their sole purpose of life. Mm. I think it comes back to how do we value things? Yeah. Because the, the only reason AI would get involved and affect people's lives is if it's like being paid more, like you said, um, like if it's being valued more in some sense. But if we somehow put value on human thinking, that's not like monetarily uh, tracked, if that makes sense, it's not like money, then I think that would work out. It doesn't, like you said, it wouldn't matter if there's AI art because it's just adding to the pool of like beauty, if that makes sense. Okay, so uh, next up, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Boston Dynamics and uh, a little bit more about warfare and AI and the future of all of that. So uh, Boston Dynamics is an American engineering and robotics design company founded in 1992 as a spin-off from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Best known for the development of a series of dynamic, highly mobile robots, including Big Dog, Spot, Atlas, and Handle, it is an American systems corporation under a contract from the Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division. So basically, Boston Dynamics um, is an engineering and robotics design company that has been uh, you know, brought from and funded by the American Naval Warfare Center. So what do you guys think about that? So it's, they create uh, AI robots. If you've seen them on uh, Twitter or on YouTube or wherever, they're these little dog-like robots uh, which can traverse through pretty much any kind of um, field and take supplies, you know, destroy mines and do all sorts. These little robots that are created by Boston Dynamics and they've been brought over by... Uh, uh, but I believe was it Google that bought Boston Dynamics, Steve? Yeah, Google bought them out. Yeah, which Google is very bought weird. them out, which is very weird. And you know, they're they're a company that is basically linked in with the American Naval uh, Service. So, you know, what what do you think about that? When I say that to you, what's the first thought? I think of a Terminator, because <laughs> like if you if you've seen the the videos of of the robots they have. They're really like sophisticated. They actually seem like they're running like an actual yeah. animal. So um, I don't know if you played the game Horizon Zero Dawn, but it's, it's, it scares me a little bit. Uh, to, but it's also interesting in how like in a lot of engineering, we tend to refer back to like what, how, how do things work in nature? And in a sense, the designs we come up with kind of imitate how you know, things we already see that exist work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a tool. So it's, I'm not too scared about it because they already have quite mean machines out there, to be honest. This is just like a more efficient version. Um, uh, I know they were planning to use, use the camel one as like a, a pack mule for soldiers. So when they're going out uh, doing marches, for example, let's say in Afghanistan, they have the, the camel-like robot that carries all their equipment. So it's not so different to um to a tank or to a uh, apc um i'm not i'm not that worried about it but maybe i'm i'm a bit too uh, confident well, i don't know how you feel jasmine um yeah i mean I, i'm not worried about it in a sense that i don't think one of them will turn into a terminator and start you know shooting civilians or something like that but um i if that's being used for military purposes um, in the setting of a war or something, in, in a conflict of another nation. And if the whole conflict is, is done through robots, I'm not 
against that, if that makes sense, because, um, you know, if that can save soldiers' lives, um, you know, why not? Why not save lives? But I understand that there's definitely a risk of, of that falling into the wrong hands or not being so perfectly in, in a contained environment. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be hesitant to say, let's, let's go ahead and just do it. But I, I do see the value, a huge value in being able to save human, human lives. But then, like, if we look at most of the conflicts that have occurred in yeah. the past, like, 20 to 30 years, they haven't been, yeah. let's say, wars I guess so. that are classic. There have been, like, wars where literally, let's say, like, in Afghanistan, the British soldiers were in a foreign territory kind of patrolling neighborhoods. Can you imagine sending robots uh, with literally civilians and let's say uh, insurgencies, how do they discern who's a civilian, who's an insurgent? Um, I think that's when it becomes complicated because then you give them the right to yeah. kill like people. I guess so. I mean, yeah, that depends on on the application for sure. But um, no, let me, even let just me give, yeah, let me give some more actual background on the type of machine sure, sure, out there. Sure. So obviously the Boston Dynamics one, we've all seen it. It looks like a lovable dog. You know, they push it from side to side and it manages to stabilize itself. Now, let's talk about something that's a little bit more um, worrying, let's say. So there's a machine called the Uran-9, which is a tracked unmanned uh, combat ground vehicle developed and produced by the Kalashnikov Concern and promoted and offered by Rozo Boron Export for the international market. Uran-9 was first deployed during the Syrian Civil War. Though, according to a performance report on the Third Central Research Institute, of the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation, uh, it demonstrated high performance in an operational environment. So we now know that there is in essence, an unmanned combat ground vehicle, which is a uh, basically a tank, which can be deployed into active war zones, such as the one in the Syrian civil war and produce a high level of performance. So in essence, you can send a tank down into a region like Syria and fight people who don't have the technology uh, to you know, also have an unmanned tank. So in essence, you're fighting regular, you know, humans with an unmanned tank. Um, do you think that that kind of gap in technology between countries like Russia and you know, uh, Syria, where they're going into war, can cause you know big problems going forward? Because it's not a case of Russia fighting, let's say China, and they both have unmanned tanks. You're talking mm -hmm. one country has an unmanned tank and the other one just has, you know, little Kalashnikovs. What, what would be the outcome of that sort of thing going forward? Terrorism, in my opinion. Because Im mm -hmm. imagine, like, let's say you're on the other side, uh, whether your cause is right or wrong. If you can't fight the fight on ground, why would you yeah. resort to conventional warfare? Like, you just wouldn't do it. You would resort to another means. Yeah, so it might lead to unconventional types of warfare that will result in, in my opinion, more terrorism uh, if you, if you want to call it that, where people come into your, your you know, civilian areas, because that's the only way they can put pressure militarily. Um, so it's not necessarily a good thing. I think it just, when, when the odds are imbalanced so much, people resort to unfair ways of fighting. And so this is what we're going to see. That's true. Yeah. And I don't know what your opinion is there. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, if technology in every country was to increase at the same sort of level, that's not an issue. But if you have like certain powerhouse nations like Russia or China or America that have these like super um, deadly AI robots that they can send in these tanks and whatnot, 
uh, fighting against people who just do not have that technology yet. It just makes me think that the kind of the shift in dynamics is going to be so great that, as you said, it's going to actually lead to more problems than less. I'm not, I'm not keen on using AI in, in warfare. I just, although I do understand the whole thing of you save uh, soldiers' lives in the sense of you don't actually need to send actual soldiers down. I just think the gulf between technologies between nations that might end up, you know, fighting one another is so large it could lead to even more destabilization. Mm. Yeah, that that's true. Mm. I agree with that for sure. Okay, so knowing that automated war vehicles have been deployed successfully on the battleground and animatronic robots that encompass uh, AI is being successfully developed and tested. Let's get to the crux of this podcast. Uh, do you think that AI will overtake humanity kind of like an iRobot type situation in, let's say, the year 2045 or, you know, sometime in the future? Do you think we can have an iRobot style situation from this? Because that's when you say AI, that's the first thing that comes to everyone's minds. And we were asked this by a listener. So is iRobot a possibility, do you think? Mm -hmm. Is it a possibility? Um, I want to say yes, but obviously I don't know enough of what's actually going through um the the science behind it but i, can, I think I can, we should always prepare for yeah. it i think i think it's something um that whether it's 10 years down the road 100 years down the road it's something we really do have to think about i can see it happening in policing but i can see future policing incorporating more like robots for reinforcement um, I don't see why not because basically they can take more damage. You, I mean, if a person hits a, pol a policeman, you know, he can respond in a certain way. But if a person hits a robot, it's just a robot. Um, so let's say we, we get to the point where we have um, robots that can like walk, uh, act like humanoids. Oh, I can see it actually being used in uh, in a domestic scene. But we're, we're, because the robot doesn't have to fight back, but my issue with the military stuff is that like how does it determine what a hum what a good human is and a bad human is again like there's in our brains there's a lot of complex processes and that's how we come up with a solution but the robot doesn't necessarily has have as a complex process in their mind as us human beings so i think ai will take over in an extent not not irobot um you know in an irobot uh way but I think we will see it more in our daily lives uh, and more intrusively. Yeah, you bring up a good point about the good cop and bad cop thing because a lot of times we see the bad cops on TV and things like that, but how many of the good cops who who have let people go even though they they might have broken a rule but they were in an emergency situation or they made that kind of a, a generous decision rather than the neutral decision. So if we were to have one standard, and that's what essentially AI would would turn to, I would think, is that there's not much of a variation anymore, but we'd have to decide on one standard on how people are going to be treated. And it will eliminate, sure, the, the worst cases, but it might also eliminate some of the best cases um, that could have worked out. Better. I mean, uh, I don't know if um, we will have AI taken over in the sense of an iRobot situation, but we've already discussed that, you know, jobs will be lost because robots will take, well, not robots, but I guess automated, they'll become automated. And 
uh, if you think about um, you know policing and this and that, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up in a situation where the most influential figures in the country were AI robots rather than other human beings. Because uh, you know, if we keep going down the current route that we are with the you know automation and robotic style of governance, then as you said, eventually it's just going to be, is this thing right? Is this thing wrong? Yes, no, there's not going to be any gray areas. And we are just going to end up in a situation where things are very abstract and controlled by, by robots, basically, if we do keep going down the path of AI. Um, you made a good point on with human beings, we're able to kind of go, okay, this, you broke the rule, but I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to let you off. I don't think a robot will be able to do that. And we might end up in a kind of Orwellian future. I'm not too sure, but um yeah i don't know if that's a good thing i'm i'm not i'm not for it who decides also like where the limits are i mean if if all robots have the same threshold then it must be whoever the lawmakers are or whoever's at top so can you imagine like donald trump for example getting into power and deciding that oh you know what uh for blm full stop uh robots are allowed to do whatever and then that's it like all robots will be acting the same way there won't be any discretion I mean, I'm using BLM as an example, but it could be anything. Um, I mean, he could say, look, if, if you go onto your Twitter and you tweet something annoying about me, your phone turns into a little mini robot that arrests you. Like, that, <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? He can make whatever rule he wants. So that's another flaw with that sort of design. I guess the whole iRobot thing, though, is more about robots gaining their own sentience. Mm-hmm. So at what point is a robot no longer a robot? So let me ask, let me ask that question in that sense. So there's something called the Turing test. Uh, which kind of, if if an if a robot is able to pass the Turing test, then it basically means it is capable of thinking like a human being. So how they do the test is, uh, this is a very simplified way of doing it. But um, you get someone to sit at a computer, they'll write in a question, and they'll get a response. The response can either be from a human being or from a robot. They have to decide which response is from which. If they cannot differentiate between the response of a robot and the response of a human being, that robot has now passed the Turing test and therefore can think and act like a human being. At what point, if the robot passes the Turing test, is that robot no longer a robot? At what point does it gain the right to be you know, a human being and have human rights? I think that's the crux of it all. At what point is a robot no longer a robot and therefore able to act as a human being and, you know, get into positions of power, for example? I think that question actually goes back to ourselves in a way. Um, Like what makes a human human? We, we still can't really answer that question. And, um, yeah, I think that's why that question is so hard to to answer even now because that that's a timeless question that people mm-hmm. have questioned even before the times of computers. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, I really don't have a yes or no or a, a definitive opinion about that. Okay. But but just the fact that I don't think it'll ever really be answered. I've seen like, I mean, they, they exist, Aaron. I, I, I don't know, but like, I've, there's bots online that, that were designed this way and they've been learning off people, been learning off the internet. And basically what it does is it screen scrapes the internet and uh, uses it in its machine learning algorithm to basically learn how to be a human being. And I was following this like when I was younger and when it first started, it was terrible. It couldn't like hold any conversation. 
but right now it's insane like you could you really can't tell the difference between whether it's a human or not but i think it's always important to remember that it's, it's like why do we value humans more than like let's be honest like i know the vegans won't agree but like why do we value humans more than animals and i think it's more of a commonality thing so i wouldn't really even though we know there's other sentient beings let's say more sentient than even machine learning robots we still don't put them at, as you know on a high pedestal as our brothers and sisters or our fellow human beings so i think okay. we, i don't think we'll ever reach that point can i can i can i sh- tell this to you then so there's a there's a instagram page with 2.8 million followers uh and the user handle is lil michaela uh, L-I-L-M-I-Q-U-E-L-A. So if you're listening to this, go check that Instagram page out. And in essence, it's an AI robot that takes pictures or, you know, generates pictures of itself, selfies and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, it has all these captions like wearing all praying because that's what all I've been doing. And it's, it's just selfies of itself. Um, and it has all these followers. And it has all this influence and so on. You know, is, is Lil Michaela, uh, I guess, human to you? It has, it has 2.8 million followers. It posts like a regular person would post. It's active on Instagram. You know, if you saw Lil Michaela, would you say, oh, that's a person? No. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> As in, are you asking if I would uh, be confused? Like if I no, no, just like on for, Instagram? Yeah. No, so it acts like a person. Right, so it's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It takes selfies. It does all of this. So, now, is it a person? You, it's not. Yeah. It's it's an AI bot that's just you know, generating these pictures and putting them out there. Um, but you know, obviously, you can tell when you look at it that it's not a real person because you know the graphics of it aren't that amazing. But it acts like a person. If it started to look more like a person and was a physical being, like it was a robot that you could touch and feel. Right. You know, at what point does the criteria shift where you say, oh, no, I don't view it as a person to it is a person? I think it's going to be interesting when, for example, and I'm pretty sure they're going to they're going to do it, uh, create kind of like a complex machine learning algorithm with the sole purpose to imitate humans. So to learn how to be human. And the moment it starts, you know, demanding rights, because it's seen that that's a common trait in human ability. Like, do we? <laughs> Do we take it seriously? Do we like that how do question. we approach that? Yeah. That is that is the crux I, of what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. In my opinion, because we understand that it's a design process that uh, it comes again, it comes down to what Jasmine said. Like, what is a human being? Like, are we just more than this, or are we really just a complex neural network uh, similar to a robot? I don't think so. So therefore, I don't think we have the same kind of development as a complex robot would be. I wouldn't consider it myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be like a future robot racist, but (laughs) (laughs) what do you think? You can can simulate human stuff at the moment, but Mm -hmm. when it becomes a physical thing, so like, you know, at Disney, they have the animatronics, right? So let's say they put this Lil Michaela's uh, hardware, like, you know, brain power, whatever you call it into one of those Disney animatronics. Would you then consider that to be human? It acts like a human. It looks like a human. It talks and walks like a human. I mean, I think fundamentally for me, and maybe this is a little bit connected with uh, my religious background, um, and and the the core of my feeling of I don't consider that human is is that I believe we have souls. 
like humans would have souls, but just because you emulate the, the results um, and the outside and what's portrayed outside, I can't say that the inside is, a, is the same. But that could, I mean, I understand that that sounds, maybe that's already outdated um, thinking for today as well. But yeah, I just can't viscerally accept that as a human being. Okay, let me ask so, you this then. Let me ask you this. <laughs> so, it get juicy. It's getting juicy. <laughs> no, because the, the soul is something that is a concept that humans, you know, say mm-hmm. exists because I believe. Okay, I believe and so it is, right? If this robot no, 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 was no, to not really. Around... Sorry, I'm going to stop you there. I'm sorry. Okay, we observe on. something. It's not I believe so exists. We observe something that is Okay, very can distinct. you see a soul? That is the Bro, general crux of what I'm saying. We can see behavior of a soul. Can you see uh, electromagnetic waves? Okay, no, no, no. no but, so okay. you destroyed your own Hold thing. on. St- Steve, yeah, calm down. Calm down. No, no, no. Aaron, you're getting my nerves, you know. Steve, a soul is not a physical thing that you can actually see. So if you what? see actions but, of someone, you can say, oh, therefore, you know, they've done this thing. So I think that they've got a soul. It's not a thing that you can physically touch what, and feel. What, your, so if a robot thing? turns what? around to you and says, I have a soul because I believe I have a soul. And my actions, the way I perceive them is that of somebody with a soul. How can you tell them that, no, you don't have a soul? You can tell them, look, I designed you this way. This is what I put. I understand why you think there's a soul because this is exactly what the criteria I put into your learning basis. And therefore you're designed to output that thought process. Okay. So then if they turn around to you and said, well, God created you like that and you are God to me. And so, you know, it's the same sort of cycle. I, I also have a soul then because you decided, you, you know, although your creator made you with these certain rules and regulations, you mm-hmm. decided you have a soul. Now I also, looking at my creator, have decided that I also have a soul. How could you tell that thing that it doesn't? No, but like, it's not, it's not the same because you're saying that I don't have a soul. That's your assumption. I mean, no, I'm not, my assumption isn't that you have a soul. My, assu- my assumption <laughs> is the soul is a thing that we humans have given value to, right? Mm-hmm. And we've said, if you act in certain ways, that is what adds up to being a soul. If a robot also says, look, I act in certain ways and therefore I have a soul. You know well, what? How could you tell I, it? it guys, guys, I think Evan's a robot. I, th- I think <laughs> I clocked it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm trying to understand <laughs> what at what point no, I mean, do we draw the okay. line. Okay, okay, okay. I- well, because only because you brought up the comparison between us being the designer and the the AI being the create uh, the creation, I guess. Yeah. And the analogy between God designing us and then creating us, uh, there is a clear definition or um, difference between God and humans, right? We're we're obviously created, but we don't consider ourselves God and God doesn't consider him as human being. Um, So I think just because you say that is different, just because you put a distinction doesn't mean you're going to value it any less. I'm not saying because they're human beings, they're less, uh, not human beings, they're valued less. Um, I'm just saying they're different in that sense, if that makes sense. I'd 100% value them less. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put myself out there. I, I'm a hundred percent gonna value robots less than a human being. I'm sorry, yeah, but this is getting too much. Listen, oh, when a baby, let me tell you, let me put it this way: if a baby human is born, and, a, okay. and then a baby robot has been manufactured, and they were like, "Steve, you got to shoot one in the head," with no hesitation, that baby robot is gone. 
Of course, no because you, of course, because you are a human being. But let's no, say they, was to give, know, they were to give a robot that that same dilemma, and they were to say to that robot, "Would you shoot a baby human in the head, or would you shoot a baby robot in the head?" I'm sure their their kind of the conundrum for them would be a lot more difficult. And does, nah, does nah. that therefore mean that the thing that they value has less value because it's a robot or, or what? I, th- I think the crux of it is that although we don't know the human, like we don't know our makeup, like we, we, we still don't know why we're like this, but we know exactly why this robot is like this. Like we can explain it to the T and we can explain it to the T to the point where it comes back to us. It's like, oh, we done it that way to emulate. We know okay, for let- sure that it's emulating this. Let's say um, we look at this on a very grand scale, yeah? If you believe in evolution or if you believe in, uh, you know, the fact that humans have evolved from cavemen to what we are today, you could make the argument that what we were originally created as and what we have now become are two separate things. And so you could say that a robot was designed, yes, according to us in a very specific way, but it has now evolved and become something different. And so we don't have the answers to what it is now. Um, no. Would that would that not be the, a similar situation to you, or would you? No, but it's as... not. It's not passing down information from the same like previous generation. Each robot will be produced differently. I mean, un- unless we f- somehow. But figure we're talking out how AI them... here, Steve. We're talking about a certain extent. So yeah, at but like, that point, I would assume this. that they would be passing down information from generation. No, they, to generation. They, they wouldn't, because like the AI you put in one robot, let's say made by Google, will be a different AI made by Amazon Prime, and this Amazon one will be configured differently. And so it'll be a different uh, process. Let me put it that way. Like there'll be, they won't be, have the same process of AI. So in the same way not... that humans don't have the same cultures. No, but, but what you're talking about is like passing down information. And so it changes along the line, hence evolution. This is how I understand evolution, but we're not okay. passing on anything to the next generation. Google might then decide actually, you know what? The previous uh, software version was trash. Less, which happens all the time in, um, in technology, make a new software version and the new, uh, let's say, part numbers from now on have this software version. Nothing was transferred. There is no evolution. It's just a totally different Steve, thing. you're thinking about today's technology, though. Obviously, we're talking about, uh, you know, a distant future in which robots have sentience. You can't just say, oh, okay, this software is bad, so I'm going to turn this software off and, uh, you know, upload this new type of software. These are, these are in their own heads sentient beings who pass on information to their children in the same way that we would pass on uh, you know things our own they build their children they don't give birth to them but they build them and they pass on information that way would you still consider them to have less value than a human being they, they how do they pass on information like they teach them or are you talking yeah, about they like teach them they teach them this is it is like, like machine their... learning this is machine learning style teaching they 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 accrue data during their life know. They make a robot child Listen, and they pass the I'm just going to be a big, I'm going to be a big robot racist. I just know it. Like the moment <laughs> it happens, I'm not having it, mate. Brexit. I just Get want the this. robots to remember this podcast and remember that I stood up for them. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not one of the bad guys. So I'm not. Aaron is robot a robot. Racist. I'm telling you listeners, Aaron is a big robot. Like surprise. This was the secret the whole time. I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe let's take it back to like more real stuff. Like last question. It's, it's more of like this actually happened so uh for example we're talking about google um buying out the boston dynamics company but we also mm-hmm. know that google being a search engine and having so much information they do use ai through data analytics especially on their search engines to tailor ads and also recently they found out that google have been uh, molding let's say the narrative around political uh, topics 
for example, during the Trump election, and actually more famously, uh, there were some Hillary con- um, controversies that were purposely hidden uh, by Google, who uh, t- to users that were identified as swing voters, which is um, quite surprising. Do you think like we need to like accept accept that AI, even in information sense, is very powerful and really try to get a control of it or is it something we just can't control and everything now will just be a narrative depending on where you search i mean that sounds like a question on whether we allow private companies access to ai in the way that google had access to um you know all this data and used ai to as you said hide certain things to influence elections for example um i guess you'd need to put stricter regulations onto onto these companies but at the same time, I just think, you know, like a guy live in his, on his laptop, if he's smart enough, can influence an election through AI anyway. So it doesn't really matter like uh, what, what sort of restrictions you put. As AI develops, it's more, I think, about human awareness and human ability to track down information rather than uh, no, relying like, solely on Google. How do you track down information? How do you track that? Through books. I think we really need to, in that sense, we need to go back to like books and actually libraries and stuff like that. The importance of a library, I think, is going to become much greater going forward because, as you said, if you go onto anything that is automated or online, where you look for information is going to, you know, in the end, just be determined by whoever owns the company that has the search engine. So I think we do need to go back to more traditional forms of research and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, just to yeah. give a shout out to the search engine DuckDuckGo. Uh, it was created because of these kind of things. So DuckDuckGo doesn't optimize searches based on uh, your previous search. It just optimizes searches based on keywords that you put in. So um, yeah, just quick shout out. If anyone wants to run away from the Google overlords, uh, you can use that. But uh, Jasmine, what's your opinion on this topic? I think it's it comes in hand in hand with... Um, the convenience of AI, um, it, like we we discussed in the very beginning, that AI won't um, won't happen unless there's data to to really build upon. Um, so that privacy is something that people have to understand that they have to give up to to gain the benefits and the convenience of AI. And um, it's inevitable. There's no world where you can have all the benefits without giving up your privacy in a way Mm. so yeah it's yeah you can go to a library and and manually go through all the books but obviously that's at a cost of your time and your your Mm. energy so there's always going to be a balance and people are going to have to decide whether they take the risk um or or they take time and money essentially comes down to that those two i think also with books like in the past i mean we've seen it in germany and in other countries where they'd also censor libraries they'd burn the books they don't want people to read so it's not a new concept it's it's just a more sophisticated mm-hmm. way of doing it but i think it comes down to like we whether we like it or not we actually let them have this data you know every time you click agree when yeah. google pops up we've basically said yes look through all my emails which they do do like look through all my search engine history and my purchase history and you're allowed to do whatever you want uh, with it. But again, is it our fault? Like, can we actually live a life in a modern day era without emails? Can we live a life in a modern day era without accessing Google products? 
it's just you're going to hit the wall one day and just you need to accept that i don't know it feels like we need to accept that this is the world we live in i think with anything um like diversifying is it more important it's it's not just that you only look at opinions online um and like we said you know things online are easy to find but they can be easily influenced or um things might not be proofread or fact-checked um but it is easier in a way so you have to um i think use use both ways like use internet as well as um outside book sources uh, where it's peer-reviewed and fact-checked and uh, even if it's slightly outdated or something like that you can have a broader sense of the topic rather than just one um, specific method so mm-hmm. yeah like it's like because it's a trade-off what you really I w- what I would really like to do going forward is, is be, uh, get a balance between those two and be able to make that decision myself and yeah not rely completely on one one thing yeah i totally agree i I think that's the way forward like we need to diversify and um be aware and hopefully more competition like for example duckduckgo uh more Mm -hmm. viable competition will exist that maybe the selling point isn't oh look we're a great search engine but the selling point is look we will promise that we'll keep your data safe and perhaps people will then go use a, you know, subpar uh, product, but uh, it passes. I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, any final thoughts, Aaron? Or? Uh, no, not really, other than we've just sounded like massive conspiracy theorists rambling on uh, for the past hour. But, you know, it's been an interesting topic. Um, definitely AI is something that's going to become a huge part of our future. And it's something that we do need to all be very much aware of. I mean, I didn't know about that DuckDuckGo um, search engine, but now I know. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely be looking into that as well. I think uh, this is an important topic to keep in mind. So are you guys scared of the future of AI? Yes or no? <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> that, that, that's so hard. <laughs> because, no, not in the sense um, of, you know, like all the movies that come out. But yes, in the sense of, yeah, like my privacy, um, and my my thoughts like being in influenced things like that um so in a way yes and no <laughs> steve uh i think i'm on the same line as jasmine because i i know if robots ever rise up i'm ready um big old racist <laughs> robot steve is here but in terms of um influence my mind i'm very aware that that mm. is exactly what's going on and that's what i'm most worried about because it's something we can't really skip past really you never know who's inf- who has your information and it's so easy for them to just keep presenting one view because of, you know, what they've sussed out about you. But um, I, for one, would like to pledge my allegiance to our future robot overlords and I'd like them to remember <laughs> that I've been fighting their corner from day one. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Please follow us on Podcast Verbal on Twitter and Verbal Reasoning Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, please like and, and share. And, you know, if you can get one person to listen to this, we'd be very grateful. Uh, and thank you thank you jasmine for coming on yeah, thank you awesome. if there's anything you want to shout out give it a shout out not really fantastic <laughs> thank, All right. you. thank you for fantastic. coming on <laughs> 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 uh, steve why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand you that was bloody brilliant do animals have souls if i speak no, i'm kidding oh. <laughs>
Yes, they do, Steve. My dog has a soul, you bastard. <laughs> I mean, he has more of a soul than you, but I'm not arguing that. Facts, facts, <laughs> facts, facts. You know that. Actually, I wanted to make a comment about your, you said about like how AI should replace all the high up people, like mm. CEOs or, or presidents or whatever. I think that's mm. actually a really good point because um, there's a kind of a study where they think a lot of the high up people um, are more likely to be psychopaths. So they're yes, more, less yes. likely to feel and they're, it's actually beneficial for their um, role to to not feel the humanity as well um, and be able to make that rational decision only on sole purpose of, of benefit towards whatever their cause is. So. You know what? That's actually such a fact. Uh, I think they, they, they released like a percentage. It was mad high. Like it was way higher than mm-hmm. I thought of like mm-hmm. if these people were to actually take like the tests required, they would all be deemed psychopaths because they don't have like the emotional <laughs> range. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's no. actually so true. So maybe the are they yeah. humans? Are they, are they humans, human? Exactly. Right? Do, are, is, that, <laughs> is that CEO even a human being? Oh God. Bezos is turning into Lex Luthor before everyone's eyes and no one's even like commenting on it. It's kind of scaring me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I don't think these people say... should have this much power, man. <laughs> Maybe I've been screaming this every episode, and you've been yelling at me for <laughs> saying it. What do you mean? Yeah, not everything is uh, is uh, capitalism or communism, Aaron. Like, that's I've, said, I've <laughs> said it's not capitalism or communism. You just yell at me oh, whenever yeah. I say they shouldn't be this rich. That was bloody brilliant.